invented rock and roll? Well, it certainly wasn't this guy. Shake, rattle, and roll. Though he'd have been the first one to tell you that. Nor any of these folks. Every so often you'll see a video being shared across social media platforms that claims to have established exactly who invented the genre. And while many of them accurately point to some of rock's earliest influences, the fact of the matter is that the roots of rock and roll go even deeper than that. I'm Dara Star Tucker, and this is The Breakdown. Before black music became the pervasive musical influence in the U.S., you basically had two musical traditions. Classical music and American folk music. And spend the night with thee. Both styles were really just a continuation of European musical traditions. The moment popular music is introduced, you're starting to hear the influence of black American music on mainstream culture. Gospel and blues were the earliest black folk music forms in the U.S., one sacred and one secular. Gospel music mostly consisted of spirituals and call and response songs. While the blues formed from the work songs, field hollers, and chants that began in the Deep South. But they really didn't stay separate for long. They were fusing and influencing each other from the start. Early ragtime music is the first black genre that gained widespread acceptance. It reached its peak from about 1895 to 1919. It utilized European and classical marching music and added syncopated or ragged rhythms to give the music a bounce that it had never had before. It was really the first iteration of popular music. Scott Joplin and Jelly Roll Morton were two of the early framers of this musical style. From ragtime came the Harlem Stride piano players like James P. Johnson and Fats Waller. Where ragtime was through composed and relied heavily on its classical roots, the Stride players improvised. They leaned into the swing feel and they covered more popular music. So-called jazz, which was really a fusing of ragtime and blues, grew out of the black folk music scene in New Orleans in the early 1910s. It was a highly improvisational musical form whose most famous ambassador was Louis Pops Armstrong. His improvisations were the basis for the swing era that soon followed. This was the rousing dance music of the 1930s and 40s. Swing music was dominated by bands like Count Basie, Benny Goodman, Lionel Hampton, Cab Calloway, and Duke Ellington. By the 1920s and 30s, a new driving rhythm called Boogie Woogie was gaining popularity. upbeat blues was thought to have begun as early as the 1870s, since many of the musicians who played this music would have intense jam sessions while train hopping on the Texas Western Railroad, it earned the name Fast Western. A popular theory is that the pulsating bass lines in boogie woogie music were meant to emulate the sound of an oncoming train. Just listen. Producer John Hammond organized a concert at Carnegie Hall in 1938, featuring some of the top Boogie Woogie players. After that, swing bands started to incorporate Boogie Woogie into their dance hits. The driving left-hand rhythm of the Boogie Woogie and Stride players really set the stage for what would come to be known as Jump Blues in the 1940s. Jump Blues was a fusing of all of the Black American music genres that had come before it. The blues... Early this morning. 
gospel, swing, and boogie woogie. If you really listen to jump blues, all of the elements of what rock and roll would become were there. This is where you start to hear the shuffle drum pattern. Combined with a 12 bar blues chord progression. The superstars of the jump blues era were folks like Louis Jordan, Roy Brown, and Big Joe Turner. It would not be a stretch to say that these are some of the first rock and roll songs ever recorded. Just listen to the side-by-side -side of Wynoni Harris's version of Good Rockin' Tonight from 1948 with a version that Elvis Presley would record in 1954. Many of rock and roll's early hits were just remakes of jump blues and boogie woogie songs. Promoters and managers figured if they could get young white kids to sing and play that music, it would find mainstream acceptance. And they were right. By the early 1950s, rhythm and blues was the dominant black musical genre. Its name described the music perfectly. It combined the blues of the early 20th century made popular by people like Robert Johnson. I said, hello, I believe it. With down and dirty rhythms. Rhythm and blues was often referred to as race music and was deemed unsuitable to be played on pop radio where it could have reached a much wider audience. But white folks were getting wind of this music and industry executives were taking notice. Sam Phillips, who was the first person to record Elvis Presley in the early 50s, famously said, if I could find a white boy who could sing like a black man, I'd make a million dollars. Now, remember, the moment that you hear syncopated pop music of any kind, you're hearing the influence of black music. Country and Western music in its earliest form was heavily influenced by field hollers, spirituals, and the blues. White folks from the Appalachian region took the folk music of their ancestors in England, Ireland, and Scotland and blended that sound with the musical traditions of the black southerners that they lived in close proximity to. Hillbilly music, as it was known then, started to gain popularity in the 1920s, and it was heavily influenced by the blues, Negro spirituals, and even Tejano music. I can't stop Western swing developed in the 1920s when hillbilly artists began fusing their music with swing influences. By the 1950s, those country and Western artists had discovered Boogie Woogie and morphed it with their sound. The resulting genre would come to be known as rockabilly. A lot of the early white rockers were initially considered to be a part of this genre. Jerry Lee Lewis, Bill Haley, and even Elvis Presley. Most of these early rockabilly songs were really just white kids doing their version of jump blues and R&B. Just listen to this version of Ike Turner's Rocket 88 when early rocker Bill Haley got a hold of it. You women have heard of jalopies, you heard the noise they made, but let me introduce my new Rocket 88. You women have heard of jalopies, you heard the noise they made. 
Some of the best music in the world came out of the rhythm and blues and jump blues genres, but black music was always treated like a musical ghetto. No real industry investments were made that would allow so-called race music to thrive beyond its color boundaries. It was deemed too black to go mainstream, so parts of it were pilfered off and sanitized for profit, while many of the progenitors of that music languished in relative obscurity. But rock and roll did have a handful of black superstars early on, the most notable of which is Chuck Berry, who many deem the father of rock. He shifted his style from rhythm and blues to rockabilly once he realized that those tracks would garner airplay on fledgling rock stations. The opening riff of his song Johnny Be Good is a direct rip of Louis Jordan's Ain't That Just Like a Woman. Little Richard, who is known as one of the architects of rock and roll, was another important exception. And Fats Domino, who Elvis acknowledged as the king of rock and roll, was one of the most financially successful black artists of that time. I found my thrill. Rock and roll has largely been the music of young white men. Names like Jerry Lee Lewis, Bill Haley, the Everly Brothers, and Buddy Holly dominated the Billboard charts. And for the most part, it remains a largely white genre to this day. Now, after examining the evolution of American music that led to the development of the sound known as rock and roll, is it possible to pinpoint a single person that can be credited with its invention? Trying to identify the moment when rock and roll came into being is tantamount to trying to decide when the night becomes the day. Is there a singular moment, a single person that represents the line of demarcation between rock and everything that came before it? Well, I would posit that there actually is, and his name is Louis Jordan. A whole lot happened in the development of the rock and roll sound after he began performing jump blues in the mid-1940s, though he himself never really evolved beyond that sound. The beat became straighter. It shifted from a swung shuffle to a straight rock backbeat by the late 1950s. But at the time that journalists and industry gatekeepers had begun to ascribe the rock and roll label to songs like Bill Haley's Crazy Man Crazy in 1953, Crazy Man Crazy. It was nothing more than a whitewashed version of what Louis Jordan had been doing since the mid-1940s. You can clearly hear it in songs like Caledonia from 1945. Long, lean, and lank, and ain't had nothing to eat, but she's my baby. And Choo Choo Boogie from 1946. The thing that really distinguished the rocker sound from the jump blues folks was the aggression with which the drummers attacked the snare drum on two and four. That part was taken from the gospel world. There were wailing electric guitars in early rock too, of course, but that wasn't anything Elmore James hadn't already started doing by the early 50s. As far as the onstage flash and dynamism that rockers became known for, Louis Jordan certainly wasn't lacking in that department. What make your big head so hot? He was a man ahead of his time, but he never really saw the success that those early rockers did, and he rarely comes up in discussions around rock's earliest influences. Now, if you're knowledgeable about music from this era, you could probably point to a dozen or more alternative songs that could be included on a short list for the earliest true blue rock song ever recorded. Some would say it's Sister Rosetta Tharp's Strange Things Happening Every Day from 1945. Strange Things Happening Every Day. Or was it Wynoni Harris's Good Rockin' Tonight from 1948? I heard the news 
Was it Gory Carter's Rock a While from 49? Or Ike Turner and Jackie Brinson's Rocket 88 from 51? Everybody likes my Rocket 88. But with which song did the rock and roll sound truly begin to crystallize into its own distinct genre? The Place I Land is a fairly obscure late jump early rock number by a man named Jimmy Preston. It's called Rock the Joint and it was recorded in 1949. We're gonna rock. Rock it was clearly the inspiration for Bill Haley's Rock Around the Clock. It was all there, the 12-bar blues form, the boogie-woogie bass line, the gospel feel with the two and four snare drum hits. Heck, it's even using the word rock a full two years before DJ Alan Freed started using it on the radio. So who invented rock and roll? Rock and roll is, at its core, a byproduct of the Black American experience, up to and including the appropriation of its essence. The fact that it was influenced and infiltrated from without is itself a marker of the lived experience of Black people in the U.S. We have never existed in this country without the concern for the infiltration and exploitation of our art. Black struggle invented rock and roll. Black artistry, Black pain, Black heartache, and Black joy are at its core. Rock and roll is the earth child of the Black experience in America. Join me and my co-host, Greg Bryant, for in-depth discussions on topics just like this on my podcast, I'm All Over the Place with Dara Star Tucker.